RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The time is 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific on a Tuesday night. The place is wherever you happen to be. And the show is Mission Log Live. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John Champion. Each week on Mission Log Live, you are the star. You call us, you chime in with your questions and comments. Tonight, we welcome so many guests. It's like the battle of the network stars up in here. It's like it's like the Brady Bunch variety hour. It's like that time that Lucy and Ricky went to Hollywood. There's just so many guests tonight, is what I'm trying to say. We'll meet Bobak Fredowski from JPL. We'll meet Holly Amos from Star Trek Adversaries. And up first, you'll meet our friend Jason Golston from the virtual world, but for real. As always, we want your questions, your comments. Everyone is ready for that. And we are here for you. So you can click on the link to join our Zoom meeting, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can even call us the old-fashioned way, just like the settlers did. Dial us up at 669-900-6833 and enter the meeting code you'll find in the show description and in the comments. I get to do the romper room thing today. I see, uh, oh, I see Chris, I see Donna, I see Paul, I see Myra, or maybe Mara, I'm not sure. I see Wes. So many people joining us live tonight, and thank you, everybody who is joining us live. Uh, If you're watching it as it happens on Facebook or YouTube, um, thanks for that, as I say, and thanks to the people who are catching the video later on Facebook and YouTube as well. Maybe you don't want to watch. Maybe you like to listen while you work. Hey, that's cool. We'll have the audio for this show up uh, and its very own podcast feed uh, within hours of this show ending. Uh, just search for Mission Log Live wherever you get your podcasts or make it easy. Go to podcast.roddenberry.com where you will find links to all of our shows. Uh, that's Mission Log Live, Mission Log, The Track Files, Women at War, Priority One, and you know other stuff as other stuff crops up. Uh, we do have one last request because we are needy, needy people. Uh, wherever you are and whenever you are consuming this, um, head to the source, hit like, hit share. If you don't download it from iTunes, you know, head back there and maybe give us a few stars because uh, more people watching is more people playing along. And wouldn't that be so much fun? So we will meet our guests oh so soon. So now is the time to call in and be ready. Again, click that Zoom link or call us at 669-900-6833. And before we get to that, uh, Ken, how about we check in on the polls? You know, it starts to sound like we don't actually have guests. You're like, oh, we're going to be talking to people. But oh, first, yeah. oh, no, we got people to talk to. But first, uh, yes. But first, let's talk about the poll. Uh, last week, we, of course, had the question um, about the holodeck. Is an experience on the holodeck real was the question that was asked. And, and just about everybody seems to think so. Man, Kirk would have a word with you people, wouldn't he? Uh, 71% say yes, an experience on the holodeck is real. 29% say no, it's not. I kind of want to stop doing the poll, man, because every time we get the answers back, I just want to ask more questions, mostly of those 29% this time. Like, why not? Uh, But, you know. (laughs) A funny thing, and it was a good chat last week, and uh, after the show, we stayed on the line for nearly a half an hour more with Dr. Ali Matu talking about that very thing, about experience versus reality. And uh, it, it was so cool, and too bad you all weren't there for that. 
<laughs> so <laughs> we should have run we should have run tape and we could have just like you know played it back later and made it a supplemental or something should have one one day one day um Tonight's poll question, well, you will find out why we're asking in a moment. A little bit surprised at the early uh, returns on this. Simply enough, are you going to Star Trek Las Vegas? Are you going? Only 6% of you say yes, you are going, and 94% of you say no. Um, Interesting to me, Ken, because I I feel like we meet so many people there who do listen to the show. So I would just assume that there's a big, big crossover there. Um, But as of right now, the people who have answered only a tiny fraction of you who are going to Vegas so far, maybe that'll change. So there are two reasons that we asked that question tonight. One is because one of our guests is actually going to, well, actually I would bet at least two, maybe three of our guests are going to be there, but one of them is definitely going to be there. The other reason though, that we ask it is because I've started dreaming about it. Yeah, that's weird. It's it's early. It's Mm -hmm. early for that. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm having those. uh... Hey, if you're dreaming about it, why not call us? (laughs) 669-900-6833. John, would you please introduce our guest this evening? Or our first guest, rather. Yes, yeah. Our first guest tonight is from Sansar. Sansar Sansar.com. Yeah, Sansar, not a country. It's a place on the web. His name is Jason Golston, and uh, he'll have to tell us exactly what he does for Sansar. But we're about to blow everybody's minds with some cool stuff coming from Mission Log, from Roddenberry. And Jason is uh, uh, the person on the Sansar end who is helping to coordinate that. Jason, welcome to Mission Log Live. Hey, guys. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. It's good to chat with you, uh, John, Ken. Um, yeah, I'm Jason Golson. I'm the head of Sansar Studios. Uh, Sansar is a virtual experience platform full of user-created uh, worlds. You can almost think of it as almost a universe. We have thousands of worlds for people that have been built by our users. And uh, anyone can go in there uh, so long as you have a PC and a Windows PC, create an account, log in, begin exploring worlds, and, uh, you know, with your avatar, customized avatar, and, and all of that. Um, we're working with you guys to create an interesting new experience, uh, and I'm, I'm really excited to be here today to talk a little bit more about it. Yeah. Can we back up a t- just a tiny bit? Yes, because sir. like if you pick up like an Oculus Rift and I say that, you know, like they're free and breakfast yeah. cereal. But if you pick up an Oculus Rift, uh, Oculus is going to toss you into a bunch of stuff. It's like, hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. You I mean, is the reason for Sensar because of the user generated part of it? I mean, why? Why? Why Sensar? There's a couple of things. So uh, Sensar is a is a a new a uh, virtual experience platform from the makers of Second Life. Um, we, we've been in this, in this uh, user-created world uh, uh, line, of, uh, you know, line of work now for a while, and we find that you know, there, there's kind of nothing more engaging and more varied and interesting and really inspiring than the work uh, built of the worlds built by these communities. And so, you know, Second Life uh, has been around a long time, and we, could, we hope to see it continue to be around for a really, really long time. But when we looked out at the computing landscape and the technologies that were emerging, you know, uh, VR, AR, mobile, you know, we, it was, we, we, though we tried, uh, it was, we thought we needed to kind of build something new you know, to take advantage of all the latest technology, all the best practices. And so that's what, that's what gave rise to Sansar. 
was building a new platform to take advantage of all this new technology, including and especially uh, VR. Uh, and in our case, we support the Oculus Rift, the HTC Vive, and the Windows Mixed Reality headsets by way of Steam VR. Um, and so we we built our own engine. It's all our own technology. You know, our our experiences. Uh, the worlds that the users make and the ones built by uh, Sansar Studios are all social. So we can all get there. All of us could be there right now, hanging out, chatting like we are now, except with avatars inside of, you know, name the place. You kind of hit on on the two things that I was going to ask. And one is, well, how do we participate? So you, you already said Windows C. Oculus or the HTC uh, headset. So that's what people need from a hardware uh, standpoint to join one, in. One, one, one note, uh, you can actually log in with your regular PC. You do not have to have a headset in order to participate. So we support desktop uh, presentation as well. So you can, with your, your laptop, log in and uh, just, you know, as you would any other standard PC game. Because there's not, there, while the, the number of headsets out in the world continues to go up, there's still uh, a lot of people that are just using their standard desktop monitors, and that will be the case for a while yet. And uh, we want to make sure they can participate in all the fun uh, as well. So we're, we're kind of dancing around the big question here, which is what are we going to do? And, and we're going to reveal part of that tonight. There's another part coming somewhere down the road, but um, and that has to do potentially with Star Trek Las Vegas. But um, what we're inviting people to is an event that we're hosting on May 22nd. You guys came to Roddenberry. We, we started all these chats. Well, what could we do in the virtual space that has a tie-in to what we do already, which is this kind of interaction with our listeners? And uh, we wanted to do something cool and fun and very trek to, uh, to show up this technology and this new kind of partnership that Roddenberry is doing with Sansar. So um, w without further ado, I'm going to ask our technical director, Brandon, to start popping in that video that we've got and, uh, and some of the photos that you sent us, and you can tell us what it is that we're looking at. Um, I believe we've got that video queued up right yeah, now. It's playing right now. So these are some screen grabs, so some video captured straight out of Sansar. Uh, of the bridge from the original Enterprise, from the original series. And so the plan is, and if you, I guess I could speak to it, is, you know, yeah. we're going to hang out in there. We're going we're gonna <laughs> to hang out with the John and Ken and whoever wants to swing by. And uh, we can watch the this podcast live there on the bridge and then hang out for a little while after. And uh, John and Ken will swing by where we can uh, continue the conversation and debate. Yeah, so the, the way we look at it is um, it, it's not necessarily a formal show like we do here, like we do on the regular Mission Log, but it is a place to hang out. For right now, it's sort of the Mission Log clubhouse, if you will. So after the show, a little after 8 o'clock on May 22nd, we'll all be able to go in there. And people are already chiming in, talking about how absolutely beautiful that rendering is um, and noticing those little details, like the lights reflecting off the consoles. Um, and, and yeah, truly, it is a remarkable rendering uh, that uh, we partnered up with Otoy, who does just 
incredible effects and, and 3D object rendering. So we're very pleased to be able to get that and present that um, for free. Uh, it's just a, a location on Sansar. And uh, you can tell us uh, how, how we can direct our listeners there on May 22nd. What do they need to do? Yeah, so uh, everyone needs to uh, visit Sansar.com where you're going to create a user account. And then just be on the lookout. You could please log in, check out some of the other cool places to go. We have stuff for Ready Player One, official Ready Player One stuff, which was really awesome. There's cool NASA type, you know, museum. And there's a lot of other really cool stuff to check out in Sansar. But you log in and then keep an eye out. And John and Ken and the, the, the crew at Mission Log will send out a link uh, whereby you click that link and it will direct you uh, straight to the bridge of the Enterprise where you can uh, enjoy the podcast and hang out with other fans of the show and, and hang out with John and Ken. And that, uh, that view screen is live. We, we can put things in that view screen. Who knows? You have no idea what we might put in that view screen. <laughs> fair, fair warning to everybody who joins <laughs> to hang out on the 22nd. It'll be PG. <laughs> yes 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 it will thank you for clarification there so we'll actually be talking about this a bit more in the weeks to come i mean between now and then but uh jason thank you very much for for you know coming in and sort of hipping everybody to it uh remind everybody one more time if you could uh where yes. it is that they should go to get more information and then um if they want to you know follow you on social media or things like that or follow yeah. sensor on social media how do they go about doing that as well so on social media, our handles at Sansar Official. Uh, I'm just Jason at Jason Jason underscore Bolston. Uh, we're always tweeting about uh, different things that's happening on the platform, all kinds of interesting news and events all the time. But to to get involved, to to give Sansar a whirl, uh, and check out some of the experiences as well as the one we're starting to talk about here, uh, uh, Ken, it just uh, Sansar.com. Download the client and create your account, download the client and uh, start exploring, start creating. Anyone can start building their own worlds for free. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. Obviously, we've got a, a lot to do between now and then. We'll have you back and we talk all the time. So uh, thank you again for all the work that you've done on this. And I can't wait to show it off to people in that world. Yeah, we're super excited. And thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. All right. Take care. Till next time. We should remind people how to get in touch with us, shouldn't we? We should. Okay. Click the Zoom link. Okay. That's almost <laughs> it, but not exactly. You can also call, uh, yeah, pick up the phone and actually call uh, 669-900-6833. That number again, 669-900-6833. And then use the meeting code uh, that should be uh, on your screen. And, and that would be great. Yeah. Hey, um, so, so it's Bobak. It is. And here's the thing. And I know that, that Holly corrected me, but you have to understand that for years and years and years, I lived in Chicago. There, there's Bobax, which is yeah. a, a, a Polish like grocery store. And uh, it's just amazing. And yeah. For, for more, I, for decades, I've heard that name in my head. So I apologize right away to Bobak because I will mess that up a million more times. Well, I mean, the good news is you're reading it wrong, so you're reading. So that's something. Yes. But yes, still. That, that is yeah. good. So without further ado, and uh, since I got it right once, um, I will now introduce our 
first next guest, and that would be Bobak Fridowski. He is a systems engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. And he is, interestingly enough, the only person I know in real life who is on knowyourmeme.com. That is no small feat. Maybe I'll have him explain that when he comes on. Um, but even beyond that, I know that he is a huge Star Trek fan. And that has definitely played an influence on uh, his steps into the world of real science. So I want to hear about that today. And he does some killer Star Trek cosplay. Uh, like one of my favorites, the uh, Terry Cloth wearing Spock from uh, Star Trek IV, you know, that long Terry Cloth robe. He, he just, he nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. So without further ado, let's welcome Bobak. Are you there, sir? Hello, and thanks for having me. There he is. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being on. I appreciate it. What's interesting to me is you just like uh, in your introduction, John, and, mm -hmm. and forgive me, but you left out the thing that most people would know Bobak from. Well, but it, here's the thing, though. Why is he on knowyourmeme.com? He's on knowyourmeme.com because he's there as the Mohawk guy. Right. The Mohawk yeah. guy who worked for NASA, not just the Mohawk guy, because that could also be a Star Trek four thing. Actually, oh, that could be because there was a Mohawk guy there too. Uh, do us a favor, if you could, Bob. I just uh, like give us, you know, an encapsulated life story. I know that's oh, easy, sure. right? How, like, yeah. how uh, did how did you end up at JPL? So I, uh, well, I grew up in the Bay Area, and my parents are very encouraging people. Um, so they they bought me like a lot of Lego growing up, and um, sort of went from there to kind of loving engineering. So I, I had this curiosity about how things work. Um, they let me take apart things around the house, like electronics, with limited success putting them back together. Um, and uh, that kind of fostered my love of just, the, you know, engineering, I think. That was the, the grassroots. Um, along the way, of course, I think, you know, Star Trek plays a factor in that um, my aunt moved from Iran to the United States, and she was my roommate for a few years when she was first getting here. And she had watched the original series. I was already into TNG at that point, but uh, she had watched the original series in Iran, of course, uh, dubbed. And um, it was something that we could watch together, though, in the States, because she knew enough English and she was already familiar sorry, with the stories. Um, and I loved Star Trek. So uh, that's how that kind of got influenced. And I, you know, I, I think for me, growing up in a mixed household, like an Iranian-American household, um, especially in the eighties, uh, when tensions were definitely higher, I think the idea of this like united human, you know, frontier of Star Trek had a lot of appeal. Um, and so that kind of led, you know, decision by decision towards working for an agency like NASA, where I feel like we're working on behalf of the United States, of course, but ultimately like as a space, as a human endeavor that we can all share. In. And that's, uh, you know, so I, I went to, I went to college for that, uh, for, for aerospace engineering, went to grad school. Um, luckily got hired immediately at JPL after grad school and the rest is meme history. All right. So let's talk about that meme history. Then you are uh, early, what was it? Uh, 2012, if I'm right, the Mars, Rover, yeah. Yeah, the, the Mars so Rover mission. And there you are at mission control and uh, all this great footage uh, of uh, people watching so, so intently to what's happening with that landing and, and everything just going picture perfect and there's a shot of you being very excited about all of this and uh you stand out you stand out yeah. because you're the only person in the room who's got a mohawk for one thing 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, and then suddenly your social media presence exploded <laughs> and everybody yeah. knew your name. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I mean, obviously we were pretty, we were pretty busy on console um, working the landing. There's not a lot necessarily for us to do in that evening. Uh, I, I, you know, I think people who watched it may kind of vaguely remember it, but Mars at that time is 14 minutes away at the speed of light. So most of what we're doing is just checking boxes and making sure everything works the way we expected it to work and making sure that when we hand the spacecraft over to the surface team, who's ready to operate on Mars, that they have like a healthy spacecraft on Mars. Uh, so we were, um, you know, just kind of looking at the telemetry, checking it off. And, uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of cameras um, trained on us. And I think we were sort of, um, more aware of the camera sometimes than we were of the telemetry. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, I was, I started getting text messages from friends somewhere in the night, like, Hey, you know, people are talking about you or whatever. And, um, it was, it wasn't really until the next morning where I think everything caught on. So I will, I had to be back at work at 7am and we landed at 10 30. Um, and of course we went out to celebrate afterwards too, um, the whole team. <laughs> And, uh, I looked at my email as I was coming into work. Um, and I, I, at the time it was when it was like, Oh, um, I had like notifications turned on for when someone would follow me. So it sent me an email and it was just like inbox was just like 3000 or so messages of just like, someone's always following you. Someone's always following you. And, um, I think that's when it really, like, I really realized that it was more than just like, Oh, they're, they're chatting about you, um, sort of situation. And then a couple of days later is when the president called the team to congratulate the team on the, the landing. And he, um, he made a reference to, you know, like, Oh, you guys don't look like the old NASA anymore. And here you have a certain Mohawk guy there. And that's how the kind of the name uh, stuck. But it, yeah, I mean, it's good. I, you know, people are probably familiar with an older NASA or certainly like a, you know, the you know, space shuttle in the 1980s NASA. And I think our room in general looked a lot, younger and more modern and maybe, you know, more like people that you would see walking around um, the streets of LA, which is great. I, you know, I want people to look at that and be like, I can, I can be a part of that. I was going to ask you about that. Um, I read a quote where you said, uh, if my Mohawk gets a few more people excited about science and this mission, that's awesome. I mean, obviously you have a job at APL, uh, JPL, excuse me, but do you see generating interest in science as, as part of your job as well? Is that, I mean, is that something that you feel is important to, like, for you personally to do? More than more than before, definitely. I mean, I always thought it was important. Uh, I'm obviously the product of somebody who had the benefit of, you know, parents coming into our classrooms and um, even was lucky enough in middle school to have an astronaut come talk at our school. And uh, I think all of those are amazing experiences. I just think the more people you can get out there and the more you see someone who looks like yourself doing it or that, you know, it looks like yourself, but even it's, you know, from the town that you're from or whatever it is that can connect you to that path and, you know, make it sort of a, a, you know, a realization that you, this person is not that different from you. Right. So like I'm from Oakland and I go give talks in Oakland public schools. I obviously am not exactly like everybody there, but the whole point is like, Oh, you know, you're from this neighborhood and you too can have a, you know, I think a, a happy career in a, in a science or in an engineering field. Um, so for me, that's what I, boils down to and i think you know just if you're handed an opportunity like i was during the landing i 
you know, I, I felt like a social responsibility to, to, you know, do with that, like, uh, as much positive as I can. And, um, I'm just glad that people are excited. I, you know, we still, I still get lots of parents or, um, you know, of kids who ask questions sometimes on behalf of their kids. Um, I try to answer as many messages or emails and stuff as I get. Um, so I, it's great. I, yeah, I want more people to, to love it as much as I do. I think it's a very satisfying career and I think the world needs it. I mean, I, I just look at it and I'm like, we need smart solutions to difficult problems. <laughs> Go ahead, Ken. Well, I, I actually wanted to double back on something that you said earlier. We've talked to scientists before, uh, both at you know different shows um, as well as here on this show, uh, where where people watch Star Trek and they're turned on by the scientists, and thus they became a scientist. I talked to a guy who was a pilot one time because he thought it was really neat that you could fly a spaceship, and so he wanted to do the closest thing, which was to become a pilot. I'm fascinated to listen to you talk that you say, one of the things that turned you on about Star Trek, I mean, yes, the science, obviously, but then also the fact that it was a bunch of people from a bunch of different backgrounds working together. Was there, did one hold more sway over the other or were they both, I mean, were those hand in hand things the same way they were on the show? I mean, did you watch it and first see science or did you watch it and first see the United Nations on a spaceship? Um, I probably, honestly, if you ask me, it's probably United Nations on a starship. Uh, and I've often joked about if I had a second career, I would be as a UN translator. Um, so that's, I mean, there's a, there's a part of me that really feels strongly about that aspect of what we're doing. I love personally um, engineering. I, I enjoy the, the challenge of, you know, of solving some sort of, you know, problem. But as a societal thing, I feel like the, the motivation for doing, you know, NASA or anything else um, is about that humanity part of it. So, you know, even if it weren't engineering for um, NASA, I, you know, I think I'd be, oh, I'll work on environmental technologies or something that betters the world. Like, I wouldn't necessarily be interested in working in, I don't know, improved techniques for extracting oil from, you know, uh, geological sites. So that's, but I, so that's, I mean, right, that, that, that like, as I, you have to couple those, like the thing that I love personally and it's problem solving or whatever with the thing that I, you know, I feel passionate about and that's, um, you know, getting, getting humanity to be on the same page and leaving the world a little bit better than when I started. Um, but yeah, that human aspect of, of that, I think that, you know, that particularly I would say like the, you know, at that also at the same time, right. The parallel of the sixties, but even in the eighties with the cold war and having Chekhov on board and, having a diverse uh, crew on board. I think that was a very visually um, apparent thing for a child. I don't actually know that at that age, the science or engineering really made that much. The sense of exploration may have been there, but I don't know that the science or engineering really resonated as much um, as a kid. Some, uh, some nice comments coming in from people. Uh, uh, Carlos saying, Bobak is idic. So uh, very cool. And then uh, uh, somebody, uh, Carlos as well, saying, uh, is that a tricorder? Yes, I'm, I'm certain that that is a tricorder. It is, it is a tricorder, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you've got the, the NX-01 back there. I see a little corner of the uh, 1701D, and it looks like a Lego mm-hmm. space shuttle as well. There's, that's so. right, yeah, you, you're hitting all the marks. Yeah, well done, well done. So um, excellent. All right, I, Ken, I, question for you. Do we want to do a little bit of business here? And then bring in our next guest. 
Uh, well, I'm not sure our next guest is still there. I actually just posed that question to oh. Brandon, but I'm looking at all the different cameras. Oh, there she is. She is there back. She so, is. yeah, why don't we do that then, John? Why don't we do a little bit of business and then bring our, our guest back? Actually, before we do the business part, though, yeah. uh, we should remind people how to get in touch with us. Click on the Zoom link or call in. Look, maybe you know a bunch of people who work at JPL. Maybe you know a bunch of people who work for NASA. If you don't and you've always had a question you wanted to ask, 669-900-6833 is the phone number, 669-900-6833, or click on the Zoom link, like I said before. And yes, uh, we do have a bit of business to do, although honestly, John, I've actually been doing a bit of business. That sounds weird when I say it that way. The whole time we've been here, though, because, yeah, right there. Yeah. Sitting pretty, riding high. enough, yeah, in our chat, somebody said, what shirt is he wearing? What shirt is he wearing, indeed, yeah. yeah. So we've been telling you about the shop that we have uh, for a while. They're sort of the reinvigorated, I would say, shop that we have, which you go to missionlogpodcast.com and then click on shop, and you will see all kinds of new uh, shirts and designs and fun things there. Yes, um, uh, Meredith, uh, number one listener, to Mission Log Live, Meredith beat me <laughs> by like a day in getting yeah. her shirts. But uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm rocking Lieutenant J right here, which I'm kind of excited about. Uh, other new things in the uh, in the in the store include isolinear Ken and John. Uh, Carbon chauvinism gets a reboot here. It's Da Vinci meets the 23rd century, and of course, we got a bunch of uh, old favorites as well, John. Yes, yes, we do. We have uh, the Italics Mining Corporation. We have the, the old school Cool as Kirk. We have Ethos, Pathos, Logos. That was from, from way back when Mission Log started, back in those Halcyon TOS days. So, um, and, of course, our, our tribute to the late, great Nova Squadron. Um, long may she reign. So, yes, <laughs> go check out the new and old designs and some new designs going up and some new old designs going up over the coming weeks. So uh, very exciting. Again, just go to missionlogpodcast.com, click on shop. All those designs are not just for T-shirts. You can get them on mugs, stickers, notebooks, tapestries. If you have a lack of tapestries in your home, well, we can fill that void for you with a Mission Log tapestry. Tons of stuff to check out and make your own truly unique Trek-ish gear. So get yours today at missionlogpodcast.com. So we do have another guest that we do want to introduce, John. We do. She has been so patient, (laughs) and uh, we're so glad. Holly Amos, friend of the show, friend of ours, so glad (laughs) to see you here tonight. Um, Holly, now, we have you on specifically to talk about your current Trek project, but not unlike uh, your friend Bob back here, and, and even ourselves, you have a story of going from fan to professional. Tell us a bit about your background in the world of Trek. Oh, gosh. Um, that's a long story. <laughs> uh, you, got, uh, you got 30 minutes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Well, the short story, I'll tell the short story. The short story okay. is I had been a Star Trek fan my whole life, and uh, my dad was a Star Trek fan when he was a kid. He watched the original series. I was born uh, 16 months before The Next Generation premiered, so like I have been exposed to Star Trek before I was even aware of what was going on. Um, I ha- was actually working as a professional organizer, and if anybody doesn't know what that is, if you just watch one of those hoarding shows, the people that they bring in uh, to help, that's what I was doing. And I actually went to a Star Trek convention 
and met John Van Sitters, who's the vice president of product development uh, at CBS, the studio that owns the majority of Star Trek. And uh, he and I started following each other on Twitter. And they were actually in the process of moving their office and going into a space that had warehouse space. They were in a shared office up in Santa Monica, and they didn't have a lot of space, just a couple offices and like a little library space. But they had a lot of stuff in storage, in third-party storage facilities, and they really wanted to get it all collected under one roof. And they needed somebody that had the ability to do that. So they actually hired me, not only because I was a Star Trek uh, fan and was knowledgeable on it, but because I was actually working at the time as a professional organizer as well. Um, And their uh, division, consumer products, is actually technically aligned under the marketing department. And I actually have a degree in marketing too. So I was there for five years uh, doing licensing and product development specifically for the Star Trek brand. I think the only other thing I worked on while I was there was Twilight Zone. Uh, The three of us that were in that office are all Star Trek fans. Um, And after I left last uh, December, one of the licensees actually hired me to work for them. And I am now an assistant producer on the brand new Star Trek collectible card game called Adversaries. So that's what I'm doing now. All right. I want to ask you about the card game in just a moment, but I'm beginning to wonder if there isn't some kind of curse associated with uh, third party storage facilities and Star Trek, because we know a guy. Mm, yeah, I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, wh- like, what was the weirdest thing that you came across? Because I- I've heard stories about the whole storage facility thing, where people will like, you know, buy something and then they'll like put it someplace and they'll forget about it. What was the most surprising thing you came across? What was the weirdest thing you came across? And if those are two different things, uh, please answer both. Um. Well, one of the things that they actually have in storage. Oh, God. I mean, they have a lot of props and costumes that still actually belong to CBS. Um, I think the ships. Some of the ships are... It wasn't weird that we came across them. It was just surprising that they were still in possession of CBS. Um, The original Borg Cube. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Uh, the one that it doesn't light up green, it lights up yellow like it originally did. Um, but it is uh, basically what the industry calls a kit bash. So it was a lot of uh, little pieces, actually, the like the reject pieces of things, like the pieces that are in between the pieces that you're supposed to be using. And then it's just like spray painted. And uh, there's actually some Millennium Falcon pieces on it, too. So. I thought the Millennium I thought the Millennium Falcon was a kit bash originally. Although that's that's it weird, right? Was. Because yeah. right, because you you like you you break a bunch of models, you put them together, and everybody's like, "Well, that's the ship for me," and so then you got to make a model of that. Which yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. Funny, uh, Chris Riker is saying uh, in the chat right now that the uh, nerdometers are maxing out. Mm-hmm. Um, he is true. Might have to move her to a, a geekoscope. Uh, just, uh, you know, need to uh, switch equipment there. So, yes, uh, good. Thank you all for playing along. <laughs> and uh, please call in or text us if you have any questions. We would love to hear from you because I see there John Cooley saying people have questions. Well, go ahead and call us and uh, let us know in person what those questions are. John McQuillan says the sprues, those are those little pieces in between the pieces on your model kits. So, oh, they they have a name. They do. I learned something. They have a name. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So, Holly, you mentioned it before we could. Star Trek adversaries. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. What's that all about? So Star Trek Adversaries is it's licensed, so it's it's a real deal. Okay. Uh, it is uh, by a company called Puppet Master Games. Uh, I met my boss, who is the creator of the game and the head of the company, uh, very briefly when he came in to talk to John Van Sitters, my former boss, and he actually then messaged me on Instagram of all places to hire me. Uh, so it's an online collectible card game. So if you played uh, the physical card game back in like the early 2000s by a company called Decipher, it's just like that, but it's online. Um and it's really fun. I had never played a CCG before they hired me because I was a Star Trek expert and they needed somebody on staff that could do what I did. Um, and I ended up doing all of the sound bites for the character cards. Uh, there's crew cards and there's there's uh, ships that you actually play and then you can beam crew onto it uh, to buff the numbers on the ships, which they, it has an attack and, and a shielding. Um, but it's just like any other CCG and I had never played before and it's actually really fun. There's basic math involved, but it's also very strategic. The order in which you do things, um, I just got off a Twitch feed and I played a couple of people. It's just, it's a really fun game. And that's coming from somebody who, again, had never played before. And, so. and what, what would one have to do if one wanted to play Star Trek Adversaries? So we launched on Steam last week after a couple of months of being in kind of a testing phase via our website directly. But you guys can actually go to steam.com and search for Star Trek Adversaries and download it there. Right now we're on PC and Mac, uh, and we have plans to be coming to mobile later this year uh, if all goes well, and we don't have a lot of technical issues. But I mean, it's an online game. We're going to have technical issues. <laughs> so we're working out. We're working with a lot of our players right now to work out bugs. It's still technically in what they call early access. So it's we're very transparent um, about the fact that there are going to be bugs. And we actually have a Discord channel where people have been not only reporting bugs, but reporting or, or suggesting, making suggestions about how they think the game could be better. And we are really, really taking those to heart. Okay, so now I have to ask like a, a nerdy gaming question. You never played a collectible card game before. Uh, now you're playing this one. Has it opened you up to like playing other ones as well? And will uh, you soon be like hosting a tabletop podcast of your own? Um, that's a good question. I quite honestly have not had time to go in and play another one. I It has occurred to me that I probably should play something like Hearthstone or Magic the Gathering because I feel like it would uh, make me a better player on adversaries. Uh, I just haven't had time yet. (laughs) The game's taking Um, up most of my time. A a handful of very important questions online here. One, wanting to know if the Voyager set will come with coffee. Um, So that is uh, definitely something we have to know, we have to work out. Uh, John asks, so are there enough cards to collect that I may need to hire a professional organizer? So that is a possibility. And very importantly, somebody asked, what happened to Bobak? Is he in the pattern buffer? No, Bobak is still there. He's patiently holding on. But we're going to put both of you on hold for just a second because we have a caller. We have John patiently waiting. John, are you there? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, John, Ken. Hey, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller with a question for both Holly and Bobak. Nice. My my question is this: Both of you have had Star Trek characters based on you or your likeness or appearance in Star Trek books and comics. Have either one of you ever thought of continuing the adventures of your characters based on yourself through, like, I don't know, fan fiction or 
a fan film or other media of the card game, you know, Holly, you, maybe a card with, you know, your character in there. Uh, follow-up question, uh, what are your characters up to now in the worlds of Star Trek? So uh, thanks, everybody, and go Niners. This is so awesome. I wish you could see the look of shock and surprise on Holly's face right I'm, now. I'm just, I'm surprised that anybody knows. Yeah, Bobak and I were, well, I... When I worked at CBS in the licensing department, I, I obviously dealt with a lot of the licensings. One of them was IDW, which is the current uh, holder of the license for uh, comic books. And uh, one of the most prevalent writers there is Mike Johnson. In fact, I think he's written the most Star Trek comments ever at this point. And uh, he wanted, he, I mean, he basically just puts his friends in. And so he came into the office one day and said that he wanted to put me in and he wanted to put my coworker in. And then he said that he wanted to have a guy in it. And I suggested Bobak because I mean, we haven't said it, but Bobak's actually my best friend. <laughs> so we put him into a comic book. And so we're in a comic book together. And then uh, I think you've had, uh, you had Dayton Ward on the yes. show. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Dayton and his never writing... again, never again. Back <laughs> then. Yeah. Uh, Dayton and his writing partner, uh, sometime writing partner, Kevin Dilmore actually gave me a character in one of the novels as well. So I'm in both timelines because the right. comic book was actually the Kelvin timeline and the novel was in, and I'm actually the same character in both. We talked about it and I'm the same character in both. Um, I just am on a different life path. So uh, <laughs> in regards to whether or not it's, I can, you know, do something more with it or if it can like be in the game. Uh, I've actually talked about that with my boss. I, uh. She could technically <laughs> be in the game, just her prime character though. Cause we actually don't have the license for the Kelvin universe, uh, which means unfortunately Bobak can't be in it. Oh, okay. Oh, so Bobak. you're from the Kelvin, you're, you're from the Kelvin timeline then Bobak. Apparently, I only exist in one timeline, and I don't know what happened to the phenomenal timeline. <laughs> okay. So wait, what was I mean? Because I, I didn't know about this before we got here. What what were your characters, uh, Bob? Uh, what was your character? And then Holly, I want to hear what you were too. Uh, I'm, an, I'm an anthropologist. Is that right? I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, you're a science I made contact with the first contact the, more than anybody else. Yes, that's a reference to you it. being in NASA. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we ca- we tried to kind of ha- – so he's a science officer, and he's yeah made more first contact than anybody else in the fleet. And that was a reference to him working for NASA. And uh, my character is actually a science officer, too. She's a zeoflora and fauna expert. And uh, that's actually a reference to my mother, who loves to garden and birdwatch. And then I'm at in the prime timeline. I'm a nurse on the endeavor. Whoa. Whoa. That's wow. Well, thank you for that question, John, because we just revealed so much about these two. That was, uh, that was pretty excellent by the way. And yeah, I, you mentioned that you guys are friends in real life and that's kind of why we have you both here on with us tonight. And and I mentioned Bobak's cosplay that, that I just thought was so cool. You were a part of that too. Yeah. uh, Yeah. I, (laughs) Bobak doesn't know how to sew. Bobak, do you know how to sew? Yeah, it's true. I don't know how to sew. <laughs> are you gonna? Are you gonna? T- you want to tell the story? Yeah, you, like you can tell it. Oh no, no, that's great. Uh, no, that was. Um, I, I wanted to cosplay for a while, but my girlfriend and Holly both uh, helped quite a bit. Like Holly got a bunch of reference photos, uh, and then the, my girlfriend and her went in there and sewed the, the whole thing. So I had very little to do except to wear. Um, 
and I had I had a lot of fun. I mean, it's still sitting in my closet, just a few feet away. <laughs> but then, uh, uh, Holly, you were there as Dr. Jillian Taylor, though. I was, yeah, and I uh, that's actually my in-game handle now um, for adversaries. <laughs> is I've adopted, I'm Dr. Jillian T. So I, I actually jo- adopted that persona for the game, but I. Uh, I cosplayed um, her in her little pink suit with the pleated skirt that you see her giving a, a tour of the Cetacean Institute. And I've worn that, like, I think three times now to Star Trek Las Vegas. Wow. Well done. See, we had a good crew. We had a Sulu. We had a Kirk. Um, it was check off. Good. And yeah, then randomly, off. randomly, another friend who uh, it wasn't planned. Uh, and it is somebody who I'm friends with who's a Star Trek fan, and he actually works for U.S. Soccer. He showed up as... Um, the owner of, of PlexiCorp, the oh yeah right yeah. with yeah, the mouse yeah. yeah he had a mouse in his pocket he had the button that said I quit smoking that's no, wait it was Grant Sulu yes Grant uh, Imahara from Mythbusters was our Sulu uh huh okay yeah I, I remember that it was an excellent group cosplay yeah it well was fun done. it was fun See, not to not to drive a point with the poll, by the way, but you people if, if it's only six percent going ninety four percent not going this is what you're missing. Well, yeah. this and, and us at a table and lots of drinking and panels yes. and lots of drinking. Yes. Um, I want to. Yeah, all right. So this is one of those stupid questions that nobody should ever ask, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Bob, back, we have an idea from you because of what you had talked about earlier as far as you know, sort of like a, a UN on a starship. I'm curious because, uh, Holly, we've established that you were a Star Trek fan, you know, from way back. Uh, what is it about Star Trek for you? Oh, God. that's a. I mean, that's a good question. I wasn't even in any sort of position to be like as philosophical as Bobak was because I was exposed to it before I was even aware. Um, I think of a lot of it has to do with, you know, just spending time with my family. I, I do have very fond memories of my dad turning the next generation on and me hearing the music and like running up the hallway to go watch it and sit down in the living room on the floor and watch it with my parents. Um, but, you know, over time, as I got older, it was the same reasons um, Babak is a fan of it. It's it's a utopian society and it's a better vision of the future. And I think that's what we should be striving for. And that's ultimately why I have um, I have a lot of respect for people that actually work in real space. Because Babak and I actually have a joke. He works in real space and I work in fake space. But um, he what he's doing is a lot more important than what I am doing. Um, but I mean, the the franchise just continues to um, just be a better representation of a future that we could have if we want to. Our listener Earl has a question for Bobak. He says, uh, what was the first robotic mission that you were aware of as a kid that might've altered your own orbit toward your current career? And uh, Earl says, I'm ancient. So the first ones I was aware of were Viking one landing and Voyagers lifting off. So, yeah, those are amazing missions. And I think today, as like a student of the field, I appreciate them a lot more. As a kid, they were like history lessons, and I don't think I um, was super aware of it. I remember watching Shuttle growing up, but mostly it was Pathfinder in 1997, which was the first of our current kind of era at Mars uh, that really just made it very real to me because it was, uh, so you know, it's 4th of July, it lands on 4th of July, 1997. Um, It's that's when we started having like Netscape Navigator what, 2.0 or something. And you could go to JPL's website and see pictures 
um, that were, you know, within a day or less uh, from Mars. So this whole idea that Mars was like an alive place and we were doing things um, on another planet, that's when that kind of became real to me. And that's when I sort of realized that that's a, like a job that you could have. Um, and then the reality of what that job is like is a lot less romantic once you start working there, but um, it's still amazing. It's a wonderful job. I just, it's, I thought it was going to be like, I was playing a video game, driving a car on Mars and it's definitely nothing like that, but still very happy with how it turned out. It's kind of a bummer that. Um... Hmm? Did he freeze? Oh, Oh, Ken. What? Ken, you, you think it's a bummer, but then you froze. <laughs> and we all collectively thought that was a bummer. Yes. Okay. Wait, can you, so am I back? Yes. You're back. You're here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I forgot what I was saying. No. Um, so, <laughs> so, I mean, it's kind of a bummer, but we live in a world where, where for some of us, space just kind of got boring, which is sort of terrible. I'm wondering, you've got Jeff Bezos doing what Jeff Bezos does now. You've got Elon Musk doing, you know, what he does, plus like five other people, it seems. Um, where do you see interest in space today? And And are you bothered that it takes a rock star to get people interested again? Or... Or do you see it as, hey, great, uh, more people are interested? Or, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm assuming that more people are interested. Uh, talk to me about where you see interest now. I think you're right. I think um, more people are interested. Uh, and, it, you know, starting, I, I would like to say, starting kind of with curiosity and then sort of with a you know, kind of snowball rolling floor with uh, SpaceX's launches and landings. And um, now, obviously, Blue Origin is in the mix. And we're seeing a lot of small companies, Rocket Lab, CubeSats. So the, the field's expanding. Um, interest is expanding. I, I've never seen more NASA shirts than I do nowadays, which is amazing. And uh, I mean, I think the you know what gets people excited, as long as they go in there with and learn about it, it's fine. Um, my only concern, largely with you know any sort of the the Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos kind of thing, is that we we don't hear as much about their engineers. And the folks working there, um, as I would like to see, just because I, you know, I know a lot of people work at SpaceX, and they represent a, you know, a large diversity of uh, backgrounds, and um, and I think I'd like to see more of that. I would like to, you know, see less of the focus on the the lone great, you know, man or woman kind of myth, and more of the oh, well, there's six thousand people working at SpaceX right now who make that happen. Um, because I think that's the, the reality is we know we're, it's, we're not all going to be Elon Musk's or Jeff Bezos. Um, and so I want, but I still want people to be excited about it and I don't want them to feel like they're let down if they don't achieve, um, you know, CEO of a major corporation in their life. Uh, because there's a ton of very rewarding work to be done and, and, you know, and you feel like you're part of hopefully making um, the world a better place. So I, I think that's the only drawback, but I'll take whatever people get excited about science, honestly, like it's, it's, not enough of that right now. Bobak, one of our listeners asks if there is any update on the Kane drive. First of all, did I say that correctly? That's question number one. Question number two, is there an update on said drive? Is that the, I think that's the microwave one that the Chinese were last testing. And then I think um, we are as well at through a grant um, at NASA Johnson. I don't, I have not heard anything about it in a while. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So I'm willing to bet that you guys didn't know that we're going to do a lightning round in just a minute, did you? A lightning round of what? I see the group chat. 
Yeah, oh, you know, that, okay. oh, excellent. It's so funny, Ken, that, you know, every week we, we do a lightning round and somehow every week I, I forget to let our guests know that there is a lightning round. I, mm-hmm. I should really be on top of that. Yeah. Well, it hasn't been a disaster so far, but, you know, there's always a first trying. time. We yeah. keep trying. Yeah. So the lightning round is coming up in just a moment. But first, I want to remind people of something that they can do when this show is over. Uh, Go out and learn about science. That's thing number one. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thing number two, of course, would be to check out another one of the Roddenberry podcast shows. Probably an easier thing to do. Priority one starts at 1130 Eastern, 830 Pacific every Tuesday night. Uh, So right after we're done, you know, grab yourself something to drink or whatever. Then come back and watch Elijah, uh, Kenna. Tony and Winters is actually back after uh, quite the hiatus. They'll bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse, TV and movie news, gaming news, literary reviews, plus a whole lot more. Um, as I say, they kick off at uh, half past the hour. So when we're done, you know, relax and then gear back up for a whole bunch of Star Trek talk with uh, Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast streaming live as it happens. Facebook.com slash Priority One podcast. That address, again, is facebook.com slash Priority One Podcast. And if you can't stay up that late to listen to it, a uh, new episode comes out every Friday. What, you're, what you'd be watching today is, the, is sort of the raw thing. And boy, is it raw. And then uh, Friday, they have this like well-polished gem that comes out. They're the same show. Oh, you won't think so, but they are. So uh, if you can't listen tonight or if you can't join them tonight, uh, download it uh, this weekend and just you know subscribe. Then you don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we do that lightning thing, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Holly, other Holly online, as opposed to Holly we're talking to right now, Holly Paddock has a question for Holly. And it's a question I have for myself, too. What is the time commitment like for playing rounds of Star Trek adversaries? Not familiar with this sort of thing. And I like the idea, but have little time like everyone else in the world. Uh, so you can go into one of two things. You can either play uh, versus one of our uh, computers, uh, an AI, um, and those rounds are fairly short. Um, uh, you start at 30 – both of them start at 30 health, and I, I can play around between 5 and 10 minutes. Um, you can go up to playing uh, – very difficult AIs and that takes a little bit longer because they start at like 60 health. And then you can also play player versus player. You can go into multiplayer and queue up and it'll match you with somebody else, uh, you know, possibly on the other side of the planet. Um, I think the longest round I've ever played has been player versus player and it was half hour. Nice. So um, it not terribly long. Um, I can usually get a couple rounds in an, in an hour. So, and you do yeah. that like 12, 14 times a day, something like I that. I play uh, it a yeah. lot. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. So, the lightning round, and we're going to ask you both to uh, answer each one of these questions, although one of them I think might be for one of you specifically. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's your captain? Uh, how should we do this, actually? Should we do Holly first and then Bob back? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Who's your captain, Holly? Cisco. Bob back? Card. Okay. Card. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite Star Trek bad guy. Borg Queen. Mm, nice. Well played. Ken. Ken just gave the look of disapproval. I didn't uh, give the look of disapproval. I winced. Mm-hmm. It, there, there's a difference. I'm not disapproving of of, of Holly liking the Borg Queen. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll have words. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe okay, Kai nice. Win. Kai Win also because she's just just awful and I hate her and you're supposed to hate her. Okay. That's true. Bob right. back. Uh, Viger. 
Ooh. You think Veger's a bad guy, really? Yeah. <laughs> Destroy oh. the earth. Well, I, he oh. was a child, wasn't he? That's... I mean, I just, you know, it's a villain. It's the villain character. Oh, all right. man. And we have one at work. I get to see it all the time. I'm like, oh, oh, hey, for, uh, look, for, for name checking motion picture and V'ger, you, you get a virtual high five from me. That is <laughs> that is how you win all the points in my book right there. Well done, sir. Actually, I just realized the question that was for Bob Aki already answered. He answered it a couple of ways. So uh, why don't we skip down to uh, favorite Star Trek star chef, Holly. Enterprise D. Well, is it, uh, wait, hold on. <laughs> you just like totally redeemed yourself though because i actually yeah. have a tattoo of one of the decorations on the warp nacelle from the enterprise d uh, so, are we talking federation be... no it doesn't have to be no, not necessarily okay well if it's federation it's definitely the d as Bobak likes to say she loves the d um <laughs> Okay. Uh, okay. But I do love Cardassian ships as well. I really love just I love Cardassian aesthetics. So, uh, like the galore class ships are pretty great. Okay, Bobak, uh, favorite oh, Star Trek for me? No, yeah, if you say that. it, I will. I know where you live. But, no, go ahead. Don't do I it. I love the Excelsior. Just, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Cool okay. thing about the Excelsior is if you were a next gen fan, you only got to see it like every other episode. Yeah, so. every ship is the Excelsior. So <laughs> except yeah. for the except for the, class. Yeah. except for the D. I yeah. hate I hate Excelsior classes. Mm. Yeah, I feel you. All right. Uh Holly, have you seen the animated series? Yes. I okay. cosplayed somebody from the animated series last year. Yes, you did, and it was awesome. Bob X, seen the animated series. I sure have. Good. All right. Glad we didn't uh, we didn't come to blows there. Uh, <laughs> all right. Favorite scientist from history. Now you know what we're gonna. Yeah. I, well, no. Go, uh, Holly. Go ahead. You have a favorite scientist. Favorite scientist from history. I don't think I've ever. I that, I can't do that in a speed. Could round. could could still be living. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean like a dead scientist. His favorite scientist. I don't know. Uh, okay. You actually could just name a scientist. Nobody's gonna check you on it. Yeah. No, we're not. No. Bob Smith. Good. Uh. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you guy is, he's science. like a total hack as far yeah. as science is concerned. I can't believe yeah. you think. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's a flat earther, which is the worst part. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yikes. Nice. Uh, what about you, uh, sir? Mine's Newton. Uh, and not because of this, not just because of the science, because that's amazing, but because he also invented the ridges on quarters to prevent people from shaving down coins. He was the uh. head of the treasury for a while. This is a weird thing. He, he was the head of the treasury. It was supposed to be a cushy job. He invented the ridges on coins because people would shave down the edge of coins to make new coins. Um, and if you had the ridges on the edge of the coin, you couldn't shave on the edge of the coin without knowing that it was tampered with. So they would like take all these like filings off the edge of a coin, make a new coin out of like three or four filings. Huh. And then, uh, so he's a clever, he was a very clever gentleman. I mean, he also experimented on his own body, which was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and he made that pen based, uh, pen based handheld computer for Apple, which was just weird. I mean, right? Yeah. 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 Way ahead of its time. Favorite okay. we, are, we are so wait, close. Wait, wait. Can I change my answer? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Does Carl Sagan count? I, yes, Carl Sagan counts. Okay, yes. then Carl. Yes. I'm and then that- anybody from a poker game in TNG, to be honest with you. I thought that would be the first round would be Hawking or Newton or anybody sitting around the, the poker table. I've got Carl Sagan on a t-shirt. I love him. 
We have one final question that we always end with, uh, and one day somebody will answer it differently. Uh, have you ever been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada? I have not. Bobak? But? My former boss has. Okay, doesn't count. Bobak? I have not. Okay. That question lives for another day. Uh, Holly, (laughs) Bobak, thank you both so much. Uh, Really quickly, if people want to follow you, Twitter, someplace, social media, E, where should they go? Oh, um, if you want to follow me personally, uh, I'm on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, uh, at hollyamos 22 my favorite number um and please follow star trek adversaries uh you can find us on all of the social medias as well just search star trek adversaries it'll pop up Bobak. Bobak. i am tweets out loud all one word on twitter and instagram very cool thank you both so much for being with us this week and uh it it was a true pleasure to talk to you and 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 really just thanks for joining us thank you yeah so Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks. Producer Brandon Bradley. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log and Mission Log Live, but also Women at Warp and Priority One and the Trek Files. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you here again live next week. podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network